We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans. This is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media, including our Patreon account, where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. Hey, Charger fans, welcome back to another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Happy to be here on a Sunday afternoon for us, Monday morning when you're listening to this, hopefully. I uh, got a fun episode talking some Chargers news. We finally got some. There was a little dead period there, but uh, there has been some news. We'll talk about Denzel Perryman, talk about Trey Turner, uh, and some other thoughts from Tom Telesco's press conference. So uh, before we get there, Tyler, first and foremost, and Alex, uh, we'll go to you next. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm staring at my Zoom and seeing the bags under my eyes and realize I need to go to sleep. <laughs> so that's how I feel. I feel fine, but I look like I should sleep. There you go. <laughs> Long weekend for you? No, I just don't know. I have bags under my eyes. <laughs> I'm old now. <laughs> Getting to that age, man. Uh, Alex, yeah. how are you doing today, dude? I'm um, doing pretty good. Uh, everything's uh, all right over here. Uh, I received an invitation to replace Embiid and Simmons in the All-Star game. Uh, so <laughs> I will nice. take the trip to Atlanta. Oh, man. The fact that they're even doing the All-Star game is just stupid to me. Like, all the other sports, they all cancel their All-Star games. Like, what are you doing? Um, Anyway, and especially in Atlanta. (laughs) Anyway, so this is a football podcast and a Chargers podcast. So we'll we'll start with Denzel Perryman. Um, It did come out from Ian Rappaport that he is going to test free agency. He is going to see what his market is. Um, They have not ruled out 
a return to the Chargers. And for what it's worth, he is commenting on his Instagram page uh, to fans that he does want to stay with the Chargers. Um, obviously, that does not guarantee that he will be back for the Chargers. You know, we don't really know how he fits with the team, how he fits in the cap. And so um, I think it is possible that he does come back, but it is also possible that he leaves. So, Tyler, what was your reaction to seeing the news that Denzel Perryman is going to test the market? Pretty much as expected. Um, he was great as a rotational guy, but he could be paid like a sort of cheap starter somewhere else. Yeah. So it makes sense that, yeah, he wants to come back. He has come back before. They've sent him to an extension before, so this would not be uncommon or unheard of for him to come back. Um, but if there's a team that wants to play him like a full-time guy, go for it. Otherwise, he shouldn't be a full-time guy on this roster, nor will he be. Um, so about business as usual, honestly. This is about as expected for Perryman as, as it could have been. Yeah, I mean, I... I th- think that you want him back if you can get him right i mean i think denzel was really great last year just stopping the run on early downs um he was a lot better in coverage too um compared to some of his previous seasons so if they could get him back for you know a reasonable price that they agree on for for that role um yeah then i would like to have him back but it's probably not going to be the six million that he was making um to to, because that when he signed that contract he was basically a starting uh middle linebacker so now you know i i really don't know what his market's gonna be um there's probably a couple teams that could have some interest that are thin at linebacker um but to me i i just don't see a way where he gets the contract that he just had which was like a two-year 12 million dollar deal and i'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams that are actually interested in giving him one-year deals based on the current market Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd like to have him back if he wants to uh, be back for, you know, I guess three, four million. That's probably what his role is on this team is like a backup depth linebacker. But, uh, you know, I would not hold it against him in the slightest if he goes to uh, Washington or some someplace where he can be a uh, starting linebacker. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the one year deal. I, I think he's a, you know, a prime candidate for what people are kind of expecting for these veterans to take these one-year deals and and then, you know, hit the market again next year, taking kind of like a prove it year, prove it deal. Um, We obviously saw Leonard Floyd do that with the Rams last year and it paid huge dividends for him. And he's probably going to make, you know, 40, $50 million this year. And so I think Denzel, like he's in a good spot. I think he could stay with the chargers again, maybe do a one-year deal, maybe do a two-year deal um, and stay in that, you know, 20 to 25 snaps, a game role behind Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray. Hopefully those two um, are healthy and are the starters, but you know, he was really good last year and there was a point in time when we were talking about him as the best linebacker on the team and as a must resign. And the the play that he had against Mikai Becton, man, when he just blew him up, I will never ever forget that play because Mm -hmm. it's just, it's one of the most, outrageous things I've ever seen on a football field and seeing this, you know, 5'10", 240 pound linebacker just blow up this 6'8", 360 pound tackle is something that I'll never see. So I would love for him to be back. I think he's a great mentor to have around. The Mm -hmm. problem for the Chargers and the linebacker position in general is that behind Kenneth Murray, you have Tranquil, who has a number of injuries in his history. You have Denzel Perryman, who has a number of injuries in his history. You have Kaiser White, who has a number of injuries in his history. (laughs) And so it's like, who can you count on to stay healthy? Because last year, you know, they were just cycling through. I mean, I would love to see any number of those guys to be able to stay healthy. But, you know, can you count on, you know, three of those players to play 15, 16 games? I, I just don't know if that's the case. 
And you shouldn't yeah. really count on them to play that many games because you, we haven't been able to count on them to play yeah. that many games. You know, the Chargers, I think, benefited in at least two positions from having some good depth, one at tight end and two at linebacker. Yeah. Granted, I think Tranquil and Murray is a little bit better than Perryman and Vigil, but having those guys behind them, I think, allowed them to you know carry the defense just a little bit longer and have some decent plays right. in there. Um, and you just need, sometimes you just need those uncommon plays, like you said, blowing up Mekhi Becton. That's just what Perryman does. He's the guy that drops back and picks off Matt Ryan in, in the fourth quarter, targeting Julio Jones in center field. You know, the guy who's, you know, blitzing Tom Brady against the Buccaneers or yeah. um, causing the fumble in week one against the, the Bengals. Sometimes you just need those plays. And granted, I think Murray's a better linebacker, but, but Perryman just has, you know, Murray's the more down-to-down consistent linebacker, especially hitting into year two, I'd think. Um, he's also shown that he can be healthy for a full season, which Perryman really hasn't. But Perryman just has those plays that he, that Murray doesn't do yeah. yet. He doesn't do yet. And sometimes you just need that, that one turnover, that one big hit, rally the defense or something. There is there is a really good role for him on this team. And so I, I do think he can stick around. I do think he'll stay um, unless Staley just has some other vision, some other plan for, and he just doesn't fit. Right. Yeah. You mentioned the Joe Mixon play, <laughs> you know, Joe Mixon who never fumbles. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the I'm saying over and over again on the CBS broadcast of that game. But uh, yeah, I, I'd like to have Denzel back. Uh, it, you know, I think he's a great uh, rotational player to have. It's not super easy to replace him just in terms of like who's going to be a depth linebacker that's going to come in and have the effect on the run game he does, right? Uh, maybe you could draft one uh, later in the draft, but in year one, are they going to have the impact that someone like Paramount has had, you know, in all his years in the league? I don't know. Um, they could also go out and, I guess, sign someone in free agency if they wanted. But uh, I don't think it's super easy to replace him from a uh, leadership standpoint or, uh, you know, some of the stuff he does on the field, too. Yeah, you know, we were talking in our live show about the benefit of for Justin Herbert having a, a veteran presence. And I think you can make a similar argument for Kenneth Murray, because Kenneth Murray, if he's going to continue to call plays, you know, obviously that, that kind of remains to be seen to see what Staley wants to do. But. You know, if Kenneth Murray can have that veteran presence, I'm going to feel a little more comfortable, whether that's Nick Vigil or Denzel Perryman. I think it would make a lot of sense, um, you know, but, you know, Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray, they are they those three are all under contract. Um, I would expect them to add at least two uh, players, whether that's Vigil and Perryman or, or through the draft or, or somebody else in free agency. But the style of linebacker, that Brandon Staley is going to be using that to me is like the biggest question mark of projecting the roster because (laughs) they didn't have any linebackers on the Rams, man. Like the majority of the time they were playing with six defensive backs and, and five, five man fronts with two edge rushers. So it's a little hard for me to project, you know, just how much Staley would value Denzel Perryman or Nick Vigil or adding someone in free agency when we just didn't really see him last year use any linebackers outside of Micah Kaiser, and then Micah Kaiser got hurt, and they just shift, shifted towards you know permanently playing in a dime package with six defensive backs. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does and what kind of style he's looking for from the linebacker position. When you were looking at the Rams defense, which I know you did a breakdown on, was there a player or a linebacker that was anything like what Perryman is? Or they all, oh, all they, worse. <laughs> their linebacker core was honestly, it was a bunch of Nick Vigils. Like it was just mm. a bunch of like decent, you know, coverage yeah. guys that are not really doing a whole lot. Micah Kaiser, I feel like it would probably be the best of that bunch, but he's more of like a Kaiser White type of player who's mm-hmm. not going to like, you know, physically impose his will on a game. Right. Um, so they've never but 
you know, the Broncos, you know, I'd have to go back and look to see what they did. And obviously when he was with the bears, they had uh, Trevathan and Roquan Smith and those two, you know, Danny Trevathan is, is very similar to Denzel Perriman. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what direction he takes this group in, because honestly, I, I have no idea what kind of role he would envision for Denzel Perryman, but I would still want him back just from, mm-hmm. you know, a veteran standpoint and being able to have that explosive playability, like you mentioned earlier. There's also another reason to consider someone like uh, well, this team. I mean, oh, oh, wow, we're like, way behind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, um, you know, it's a reason to, you know, a reason to consider Perriman is, you know, he's a, you know, tackling linebacker and the Chargers don't have guys that could tackle. Yeah. Uh, they were pretty bad at last year, you know, Michael Davis got better at tackling. Um, and there were some players who made some improvements, but the fact that Denzel Perriman is just one of those guys that you can sit in, uh, fit in there and you can feel comfortable about him getting a stomp on first or second down on a running play. You know, I, I do think that carries a lot of value. Yeah, I think it does too. And this is part of the reason that we never really talked about Perryman in our free agent acquisitions or returning his extensions and whatnot. Yeah. But this is a reason to take, you know, as much as you want Joe Tooney, you might take a Feliciano because you need to pay some of these three, $4 million type kind of guys to fill yeah. out the rest of your roster. So, you know, is, is Feliciano and Perryman better than Tooney? Not really, but like being able to afford some of these guys on the back end of your roster is still very important. So I I could see, you know, this kind of going like that. Yeah. It's all, it's going to be, you know, some, some picking and choosing it and, and deciding which areas you want to sacrifice, because if Brandon Staley feels like he needs to have a, you know, better depth in the secondary and he's okay with having, you know, three or four, you know, quality linebackers instead of five or six, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's going to be his decision because, I think a guy like BJ Bellow will still be on the roster, you know, like a special teams linebacker, which, you know, we've kind of seen with Nick DeZubnar and, um, you know, guys before him and similar in that role. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he does, whether he wants more secondary pieces who can play different roles. And, and, you know, if Derwin James is healthy, Derwin James can play a lot of linebacker and do a lot of different things and and fill a lot of different roles. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does with uh, this linebacker position. For sure. <laughs> we're so off sync today i don't know why it's all good man it's all good so we're a little lagging connection you guys so we do apologize for that but um the other thing we wanted to talk about today is trade turn you know we, we've kind of talked at nauseam about you know the reasons why the chargers should move on from him uh but today we wanted to focus more on like the chargers plan to replace him and, and tyler just you know mentioned a couple guys Joe Thune and or Tooney, I don't know how to say it. And uh, John Feliciano, obviously Gabe Jackson was just released. Richie Incognito was just released. There's going to be a, you know, an oversaturation of veteran players on the market because all these teams are looking to cut space. And, and, you know, the guard position in, in general is just one that, you know, NFL teams don't value as much as offensive tackle or even center. So, um, Alex, what do you make? You you did the whole video, obviously, on Saturday. You covered a bunch of different topics, but um, what do you think the best approach is for the Chargers to fill uh, Trey Turner's role on the team is? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple routes you can go. I, I did the video on Trey Turner on uh, today on Bullpeat. I wrote kind of the four options that you have to replace Trey Turner, right? There's the high price free agent option. So that's someone like uh, Joe Thune if they want to go in that direction. There's sort of the shorter term deal, but, you know, still somewhat expensive guy and i think that can be someone like 
Gabe Jackson, someone like John Feliciano, um, if they want to go in that way, where it's less than Joe Thune, um, but, you know, probably in that eight to nine million dollar range. Right. Uh, the draft, that's obviously one of the ways that people are going to look. And, you know, you could have Elijah Vera Tucker, obviously Steven's draft crush and everyone's draft crush. Um, and then you have uh, Rayshon Slater, who you can, if they, if he's somehow still on the board, you can put him on the inside. And then starting in the second round, you got a bunch of guys like uh, Wyatt Davis, Trey Smith uh, that are in the uh, second round. Uh, Banks, obviously Notre Dame, Telesco connection there. Um, so there's a lot of options that they could go after or, you know, they could go in-house. And I guess if you boost every other piece of the offensive line, right, let's say they go sign a tackle and a guard or a tackle and a center and then draft an, uh, another guard on the left side, maybe you put Colt Toner in. I don't know. I mean, that's just sort of an in-house option. He did play well enough last year. I don't know how he would last on a thousand snaps yet until we see it. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's maybe something that they end up considering. We'll see what's Staley um, and Frank Smith obviously think of uh, Cole Toner's game uh, by a certain point. But I think um, those are kind of your options. I think the one that I like a lot is going after someone like Gabe Jackson or uh, John Feliciano and just slotting them in right there. They're on a one or two year deal kind of based on the market. And, you know, you play out the years uh, as as they go by. So, you know, if Gabe Jackson has a bad year this year, maybe you can move on from him next year uh, or, you know, same thing with John Feliciano. So uh, I don't think they're going to. I mean, I, I kind of want to go after Thunia. I don't know if they're going to go in that direction just because they have so many spots on this offensive line to fill yeah. that they're, I don't think they're going to spend $15 million on one. Uh, but for me, I think the best option is probably like a Gabe Jackson type. Uh, yeah. I'll throw out a couple of names. Just why not? If we preach guard tackle flexibility when it comes to Slater or Vera Tucker, while these are much uglier and unfun names, Schofield and Fluker are both available and they can both play guard and tackle and they can play right guard and tackle. Um, is that the best option? Maybe not, <laughs> but it is an option and they were both chargers before and Tom Telesco has picked them or signed them before. So it's not like he hates them. Um, so that is an option. I think taking, I honestly would give Toner a shot. Um, I do think at the end of the day, they're going to take a veteran. I don't think you can rely on Toner just yet, but I would give him a shot. He was their best interior offensive lineman last year. I'm going to in a small sample size. So why not give him a shot? That being said, we've watched, you know, arguably Scott Questenberry be their best interior offensive lineman, be a, you know, their best lineman in that year before. And then he got no shot the next year. So did they do the same thing with Toner? I don't know, I guess. So I think it's a veteran option that they go with, like the, the, number, the names that you mentioned. But, you know, keep in mind some of the other, other guys too. Yeah, you know, that's a good call. Sure. And and Cole Toner, I do think, you know, that he does deserve a chance. And, and you know, if he's the backup right guard or, or kind of that swing into your offensive lineman, I'm okay with that. I think he mm-hmm. showed enough in terms of, of his ability to step in in a bad situation and, and play yeah. well. And he played super well against the Broncos and, and Shelby Harris and, and that kind of defensive front, you know, that kind of means a lot to me. And so, Mm-hmm. The Chargers, like, I would love, obviously, to be able to say, yeah, like, go sign Trent Williams, go get Joe Thune, go get all these guys, and that's just, like, not realistic, and I know people kind of, were kind of freaking out about Tom Telesco's comment of, like, well, we're not an offensive line away from, from competing for a championship, and it's like, well, you are, but I get what you're <laughs> saying because, you know, yeah. you have the secondary to worry about, you have a potentially a backup quarterback, you linebacker, like we were just talking about, an edge rusher, and so... Like they're going to have 
some starters that are, are going to be cheap on the offensive line, whether that's, you know, like a Kelvin Beecham at left tackle or, you know, uh, somebody that I think would make a lot of sense for them is Matt Filer from Pittsburgh. You know, a lot of us have talked about Alejandro Villanueva and his connection, but, you know, Matt Filer obviously has another connection and he does have that guard tackle flexibility. He's made a bunch of starts at right tackle and a bunch of left guard. So, you know, he wouldn't cost as much and it would make a lot of sense, but, you know, for those same reasons, it would make a lot of sense for the Steelers to re-sign him. And so, right. you know, you look at somebody uh, like a Senyo Kalemete. I don't even know much about him, but he's made starts at guard and tackle and center, and he's played across these different positions. And so they're going to have a cheap starter, whether that's a rookie and, and then a cheap veteran, like it's going to happen. And so um, they'll have options like we talked about, you know, freeing up Trey Turner's $11 million in cap space can allow them to go get a John Feliciano, a Gabe Jackson, a Corey Lindsley, somebody that will be, you know, a, a top tier upgrade, but won't cost as much as a Joe Thune or a uh, Trent Williams would. If I'm not mistaken. So Kaleche Assemble, is that who you were saying? No, uh, Senyo Kalemete. Oh, that's a whole, that's a different person with a, it's a different person. sounding name. <laughs> it's oh, a different okay. person. It's a different person. He was just on the Texans uh, oh, and they just okay. released him. Yeah. Okay, never mind then. I was saying Assemble is available, but he tore both his tendons. And then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> isn't Filer a restricted free agent? Uh, I do not know the answer to that question. Let me look. I wanted him at tackle last year, but he was a restricted free agent. And then I looked. Uh, he's unrestricted. Year. He was restricted last year. He's unrestricted. Then go this for year. it. Yeah, <laughs> and go for yeah. it. And you know the other one that I think makes a lot of sense is is Nick Martin, uh, the center from Houston. He's not as good as a Corey Lindsley or, or a David Andrews, but I think, you know, he wouldn't cost as much and he's been very reliable for Houston. Hasn't had much injury history. Uh, he's been kind of the middle of the pack in terms of, of grades and pressures and things like that over the last four or five years. So he's, he's not a flashy offensive lineman signing, but you know, if you want to go get Nick Martin and John Feliciano, I think that is enough of an upgrade for me to be happy. And then you can sign, you know, Matt Filer to, you know, start somewhere in there or a Kelvin Beecham to start somewhere in there. Bring back Sam Tebby if you want, sign a Nick Easton. You know, they have options. And so um, they just like, frankly, they just have to take this offensive line unit and make it average. Like, and if they mm-hmm. can make it average and then next year fit, you know, fill in some more needs through the draft and, and then build above average. Like, obviously I would love it to go from, you know, like a worst to top tier, but that's just not realistic. So if they can get enough guys in here to make it average, I think that is enough of an upgrade where I would be happy. Right. And I think the thing is you're probably not going to fix all the spots in one off season, right? We've already talked about how they can't cut Belaga, so they can't really work around his uh, yeah. injury bug if, if he does get injured, right? Um, I think, you know, obviously they're cutting Trey Turner. Are they going to replace him at right guard or are they going to go after center, left guard, left tackle, Right. You know, um, I mean, Daniel Popper has been relatively confident that they're going to keep at least one of the three when it comes to Feeney, Tevi and Lamp. So right. I think as long as you can fix and by fix, I mean, get the bare minimum offensive line play required <laughs> at three or four spots. I think that that would be at least a B offseason when it comes to the offensive line, which would be um, welcomed uh, after this year. Absolutely. And if you replace four starters with four guys who just get even just 10 less pressures, right. that's still 40 less pressures for Justin Herbert. So I think we'll take that. 
Yeah, absolutely. They just got to make marginal progress. And that, that was the hope last year. Um, but you know, I I do think that Tom Telesco, like he doesn't have a choice and, and, you know, some people commented after his press conference that he seemed a little agitated, that he seemed, you know, a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like coarse, I guess, with his remarks, a little, um, little given too much attitude, if you will. Um, and I think, you know, he knows that he's got to get this offensive line, right. He's got to make some viable progress in, in a lot of these areas. And I think he knows how much of his, of the 2019 and 18 failures were, or 2019 and 20, excuse me, failures were on his shoulders. And, you know, I think he knows that he's got to get this offensive line, right. Yeah. I mean, People talked about him being coarse, but also he's kind of getting asked the same questions that he can't yeah. answer over and over again, right? <laughs> like, he can't tell you what he's going to do in free agency or, you know, the draft or any of these things because, you know, he's going to keep that under vest because he's Tom Telesco. Like, the only GM who I, is. <laughs> right, the only GM in the league who I think, you know, tells you probably what he's going to do beforehand is like David Gettleman or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just like, you know, uh, you know, a hot rod. But, um, you know, with Telesco, I, I just I don't think that he was saying, oh, I don't want to improve the offensive line. I just think right. he was saying I mean, he said in the January 6th press conference, like, hey, you know, this offensive line isn't good enough and it needs to be better. Right. So I, I think he definitely wants to improve the offensive line as far as his like offensive line. You know, they're not an offensive line away from contending. I mean, I think you could debate that. But to me, if you gave the Chargers, you know, uh, an average or good offensive line, say like the Chiefs have. Right. Would that fix the Chargers, you know, and make them the AFC favorite? No, because the other team has Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the league. Right. Yeah. Um, So I think there's things like that where it's just like uh, you definitely want to build up the offensive line this year. But I also don't think you want to set expectations so high to the point where, you know, (laughs) like last year where we expected a, a, a much better offensive line. And then we didn't really get anything because Turner and Belaga were hurt the whole year. So, um, no, I mean, I think he definitely wants to fix the offensive line, but, you know, I don't think he's necessarily going to make any promises about what he's going to do. No, and he certainly wouldn't do that in his press conference. I didn't really, I, well, okay, I watched, the, I watched the press conference on one and a half speeds, so and maybe I just couldn't tell. He didn't seem as <laughs> agitated as everyone else said, yeah. um, but he's also talking like this. So, I don't know. Maybe he was more <laughs> agitated than I saw, but I don't know. I, I feel like we've done this song and dance so many times. We've mock yeah. draft a first-round guy like crazy. Or this sign this or whatever, <laughs> and only to have it be Jerry Tillery, and then well Justin <laughs> Herbert, but that that worked out okay. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, it's been it's been nine years or eight years, whatever it's been. So, uh, just show me as long as they get two guys. Been saying it, they get two guys as upgrades. Fine by me. Good off season for the line. Right. I think I would have a different take if you know if he signed all the free agents and then came out all nonchalant like what what the hell do you want me to say right <laughs> but like yeah. you know he hasn't signed anybody yet and he hasn't done anything in the offseason so other than sign some Bengals kicker or whatever <laughs> so <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to really make a judgment you know about you know what his moves are and explaining his motives when you know he hasn't done anything so that's um that's just my takeaway from that uh, press conference mostly yeah, and you know this is this is what he is. You know, we just saw him pull off the most secretive coaching search in modern NFL history. Like, <laughs> you know, there wasn't even tweets of like we interviewed so and so that everybody else was doing. It was just like, okay, like uh, what's going on here? And then it was like, all right, here's Brandon Slee, their new head coach. So, you know, we're not going to know anything from the Chargers until they actually confirm it. And 
that's why I always think it's so funny when I still to this day will see people, you know, retweet NFL rums or NFL other rumor accounts. And it's like, you guys, like it's not happened. Like we don't know anything right now. <laughs> the only thing that we have confirmed is that they're trying to shop Trey Turner and that Denzel Perryman is, is testing the market. And even that, like Adam Schefter reported that Brian yeah. Dale was going to be the head coach. And so it's like, you know, assume you know nothing until something is confirmed. And that's the only way to go about things with Tom Telesco. Right. And, you know, Adam Schefter is a great reporter. So like the fact that 36 hours before Staley happened, <laughs> you know, he was saying some, his sources were telling him something completely different, right? Like that's just kind of how the chargers have operated. They've always been setting smoke screens and doing what everyone doesn't expect them to do. So, um, or at least positioning themselves that way. So, uh, you know, I just, you know, I wouldn't believe any of the rumors out there until they're confirmed for sure. It's such a pet peeve of mine for these accounts to say, Oh, you know, I heard this. And we were a fan base at one point who thought that Ndamukong Sue was signing with the chargers because he attended a <laughs> gas station in Costa Mesa or whatever. Hey, listen, my sister's boyfriend sent me a picture the other day of Matt Ryan at a gas station, like 10 minutes from my house. He's not playing for the chargers next year. He's not playing for the Ram next year, believe it or not, guys. I mean, there was that rumor that, you know, Sala was signing with the Lions because of a cake and the blue icing that was used <laughs> on that cake. Like, give me a fucking break, guys. And listen, yeah, like you said about Adam Schefter, there was someone who told me last year who has a source. I don't pretend to even never forget it. Point is, they said, don't even worry about Justin Herbert. They're not going to take him. <laughs> and they it's took okay. Justin Herbert. So, <laughs> you know, won't say who it is. But even the people that maybe even trust a little bit more are wrong. And so, because yeah. Adam Schefter was wrong. We're all wrong. So right. just sit here, enjoy it when it happens. When they don't take an offensive tackle, it's because they doesn't care. And he'll let the media hear whatever they want to hear. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> and hey, uh, you guys, uh, just in case you missed it, Justin Herbert was golfing with uh, Nick DeZubnar the other day. So uh, yeah. he's coming back. Um, actually, I wouldn't even mind that because Someone's got to the special teams are so bad. <laughs> that too. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> the, the Tom Telesco press conference, you know, we, we, and we've hit on it and we'd mentioned it yesterday. Um, there's not a whole lot to take about it, to take away from it that we haven't yeah. mentioned, but Alex, did you want to have, did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up here? Yeah. Um, I just thought the two interesting things really were the Hunter Henry comments, right. Where he just kind of said like, you know, we're going to, you know, we're open to making a deal and we want to make a deal, but you know, we, can't sign all of our free agents, right? Which kind of led to the, you know, inclination that they, he may not overpay for Hunter Henry, right? Um, and I think we're pretty safe in terms of the territory. I don't think he's going to use the franchise tag within the next yeah. few days on Hunter Henry. Mm-hmm. So I think it's either going to be free agency or bust this year. And um, I, I, I do... I don't know if I think that Tom Telesco was frustrated throughout the whole press conference, but when Daniel Popper did ask the question about... Uh, the secondary, he was kind of actively like, what do you want me to say? (laughs) Um, You know, with Michael Davis's free agency, obviously. And, you know, that kind of, uh, I I really got the spark going in terms of like, is Casey Hayward going to get cut? Is Chris Harris going to get cut? Are they both going to get cut? You know, um, I've thought for most of the offseason that Casey Hayward's probably gone and that uh, Chris Harris is safe because of the coaching staff. But like, I really don't know anymore. Um, I'm not yeah. sure who's safe and who's not, uh, especially in the secondary, other than I think Michael Davis will be back. Um, those are the only other two things that really stood out to me. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if any other things stood out to you guys. 
Nothing in particular that we haven't already talked about. Um, the only thing being that Telesco knows that some of the guys they brought in on this coaching staff or the staff overall do have connections to some of these guys in yeah. the draft this year. Um, so you look at Iowa, you look at Northwestern, you look at Pittsburgh and some of these, you know, try to figure out, try to piece some prospects together to figure out, you know, who do, who do these guys know? Where did you work before? Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, whether it's just information to not draft these guys, I don't know, but we'll see. I'm really curious to see how this plays out because I mean, they did purposefully take a, got a lot of guys from different backgrounds from the college ranks kind of for this purpose, not only for this purpose, but it's certainly a huge benefit to them to be able to have this extra intel on these guys. So we'll see if it pays off. So we got Northwestern, Iowa, and now Notre Dame still. <laughs> As well, Notre Dame we're looking at. Uh, the assistant coach came over from Clemson and then mm. – uh, the secondary coach, uh, I forget his name right now. Um, he was the defensive coordinator at Tennessee, and then the wide receivers coach used to coach at Pittsburgh. So they'll have they'll have some connections all over the place, and I think you know that really is invaluable in terms of this season. You know, just because you know even if you're not taking someone from those schools, you know those coaches will have you know connections at other schools mm-hmm. that they can ask about. Um, you know, like somebody from Pittsburgh could some can reach out to somebody from Miami and ask about Greg Rousseau or Jalen Phillips or, or Quincy Roche and things like that because you know they have those connections. And so it's gonna be interesting. You know, the the franchise tag, we still haven't heard what the salary cap is at, which it was supposed to happen on Friday. Um, the mm-hmm. franchise tag deadline is Tuesday, and we still haven't heard about it. Um, but I don't think that he's going to tag Hunter Henry. I just I, I don't I think he this might be too much speculation, but from my perspective, it feels like he thinks that another franchise tag would be overpaying for Hunter Henry. And and I think that's a reasonable yeah. uh, statement or idea for him to make because Hunter Henry, he's very solid. He's very well-rounded, but are you really going to pay him, you know, $13 million on the franchise tag? That's a little rich for my taste. Um, you know, I think he's worth 10 or $11 million, but you know, franchise tagging him for two years in a row, that might be something that Telesco just, you know, he said he's not going to rule it out, but, you know, I think the fact that he hasn't done it yet shows that either he's willing to let Henry test the market or he knows that, or he's comfortable with, you know, where that dialogue is headed with, with Hunter Henry. Yeah. And to be fair, like, you know, there's a lot of, I don't think there's been any franchise tags handed out yet. So I think there's a lot of teams waiting to that deadline, seeing if they get an extension, right. Uh, Dak with the Cowboys, uh, yeah. which has been going on for like five years okay. uh, <laughs> as, as well as a bunch of other franchise tag uh, possibilities, you know, Chris Godwin in Tampa, but um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting all around. And uh, <laughs> I did get over into a little bit of trouble over Twitter because I said, Michael Davis is the more important signing uh, than under Henry. So yeah, that's, that, that's really all that got on my end. Yeah. That's well, Justin Simmons and uh, yeah, so- Taylor Moen, those two were, were franchise oh, tag oh, on right. Friday. Right. Um, which doesn't help the chargers. Ones. No, it doesn't. But, you know, Taylor, somebody pegged Taylor Moten as a potential target. I, I want to say it was somebody from Chargers Wire or something like that. Um, left tackle? At left tackle, yeah. But Moten, you know, he was never going to leave. And, like, that's the thing is, like, we need to look at these players. Teams don't let young, really good offensive tackles leave unless they ask for a trade, which is what's happening with Orlando Brown. And they still might be able to work something out there. I don't really know. Um, but Taylor Moen was never going to leave. And and so if you see somebody who's still 25, 26, kind of just assume that <laughs> they're not going anywhere unless, you know, it's confirmed that they are going to be. So um, 
I don't know, man. The franchise tag, I just I don't see it as an option for Hunter Henry. If it were, I think we probably would have seen it happen already. Yeah, and, and that 25, 26-year-old thing, that's also by thinking on Michael Davis, right? You know, when yeah. you have a young corner like that, you don't let him walk. Um, so, yeah, that was just kind of my thinking on that. Cool. That's it for me. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, they do have op- – I feel like they have better options of replacing Henry than they do in terms of free agency yeah. uh, than they do with uh, Michael Davis because, you know, again, the cornerback market, it's possible that you could get, you know, a Troy Hill to come over or, you know, a Shaq Griffin from the Seahawks. But in terms of like a young, high quality corner, those two are, that's like it. You know, William mm-hmm. Jackson is a little younger, but he's not as, I don't think he has a, as high of a ceiling. So I, I just don't really feel like they have a choice with Michael Davis. Like you can't, you can't let your youngest and best corner walk. Like you have to keep that guy around. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me to let him, you know, test the market, just re-sign him do it now. And and I think it's a very similar conversation to what we were talking about with Austin Eckler last year, right? Like you can't let a pass catching running back who's young and, and has the best football ahead of him leave. And it's the same thing with, with Michael Davis. Right. And you've seen Michael Davis develop, you know, all these years. And if you have him on a three or four year deal, you might be getting, you know, top 10 CB one play at some point for seven or $8 million per year. Right. And that's just a market inefficiency to exploit. Yeah, there's a good floor for both Henry and Davis, and they could probably do better next year. And you'd be, you know, getting more of your money's worth. What am I trying to say? I don't know, dude. <laughs> well, you know, they could get him on a similar deal for like what they had Casey Hayward. You know, there you go. And, and that's you know one of the most one of the biggest bargain contracts that we've seen in recent history. And obviously, different situation with Keenan Allen, but you know he was younger and still had the best football ahead of him. And you know, obviously, the injuries played a huge part in in that contract, but. You know, if you get a young player who's who's still on the come up, you got to keep him around and just at least see what you have in him for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think Keenan sure. Allen is still only going to make less than a million dollars more than Mike Williams this season. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did. Someone asked us on the live stream, like, why isn't cutting Mike Williams more talked about? Or you know, Tom Telesco did talk about an extension, a possible extension with him. Um, have has any of your guys' thoughts changed? About him, I st- I personally still feel like it's the most likely option is that he plays on the fifteen million dollar yeah. tag, uh, and then you know hits free agency next year. But uh, do either of you feel differently after hearing Telesco's press conference? So I think the thing is that they can't technically cut him. What they would have to do is because he hasn't signed the fifth year option yet, so they would have to rescind it. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure that's the case, but you just don't see teams rescind fifth year options very often. You know, yeah. once it's given, it's kind of given. Um, and they, and they did that last year. Um, I, I just don't know if he has much of a reason to sign an extension. Like if you're the chargers and you can get him for 10 million a year, that'd be great. But like, you know, if Mike Williams goes off this year and he has a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns, you know, that's going to put him on the market next year for probably 14, $15 million deal. Yep. Right. Especially coming into next year where there's going to be a bunch of money on the table uh, compared to this year with the, the whole pandemic. So that's um, it just doesn't make sense for him. You know, even if he's banged up for a couple games this year and let's say he has a similar season to this year, 800 yards and five touchdowns, like the lowest his salary could probably go is like 10 million. So, you know, there's not much, you know, other than if he was really afraid of having a season ending injury. There isn't much reason for him to sign 10, 11 million when he can get a lot more than that if he balls out this year. 
That's a good call. I didn't I didn't think of that. I think at this point the Chargers have made their big cut. I believe Trey Turner is gone. If things were tighter and they wanted to keep Turner and maybe Hayward and Joseph or whatever they want to do, then maybe they would rescind that. And yeah. they would, if they deem someone else more important, but they've cut Turner kind of for this reason, not specifically just for to keep Mike Williams around, but to make sure that they have enough room to do to keep him around. And yeah, I think he's going to play on this last year and see how it goes. It makes sense for him. makes sense for the Chargers. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it would be one thing if they were in like the same situation where they have to do all these different things to cut money and get under mm-hmm. the, the salary cap floor. But, um, you know, I think I think his contract for this year, like they'll, they'll essentially view it as the franchise tag and, yep. and look at right. it as, you know, we have this one year deal. We'll take it as a prove it deal. Um, and you know, it stands within reason if Hunter Henry leaves that Mike Williams takes on a much, much larger role for this team. And in that case, you know, like Alex mentioned, you know, we could see him get a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns and then cost way too much for the chargers to bring back anyway. And so, um, I think Mike Williams future is, is the most up in the air of anyone else in terms of like future deals. Um, just because, you know, if he plays super, super well, the chargers can't afford him. And if he doesn't play very well, then maybe they shouldn't bring him back. So, you know, yeah. it kind of sucks, but, you know, foreshadowing ahead right now, it just doesn't seem like Mike Williams is going to be on the Chargers past 2021. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's ways where he could be on this team past 2021. Um, you know, if he has a decent year, kind of like this one, um, but not great, I think that that's a situation where you can pay him money to still be your wide receiver too, even though his market's not going to be. Uh, nearly as high as you know uh, a season where he kind of balled out would be um i still think he does have some value on this team but also if you do let mike williams walk then you know what are you replacing him with right are you gonna go sign another free agent (laughs) right this is this is kind of the problem is like okay if you let michael davis michael davis mike williams walk this year you have to go sign someone in free agency or draft someone really high right just to be that wide receiver too uh for somewhat the foreseeable future so that could mean i guess signing Corey davis for 10 plus million or you know going out and drafting a wide receiver in the first or second round so uh, and i don't think that's something that any of us really want to do because so i i think the problem just with the idea of cutting mike williams or getting that 15 million off the board is you have to replace it with something else and then you're yeah. using other assets to replace the money that was already on the table well, you don't want to see Jalen Guyton go down the sideline for a jump ball, 50-50 Jesus ball in the end zone. Christ, no. <laughs> you know, I would, I, while I do think Williams is limited, watching him play in some of the games last season, he just kind of runs wind sprints for the team, doesn't do a whole lot. And granted, that's partially because he can't do a whole lot, but I would like to see one year with him with someone creative. And Staley has mentioned, you know, wanting to get these guys involved. He did name drop Mike Williams. Um, so we'll see how they involve him, if they can evolve him at all. Right. Well, and, and the bi- yeah, the biggest thing that I've been saying is like he didn't really have much of a relationship with Justin Herbert last year, right? Like yeah. his relationship was, you know, Philip Rivers saying, "Hey, go down the field and I'll throw it to you with yeah. three defenders <laughs> on you." Right? And then this year, you know, he comes in with he uh, Justin Herbert starts playing on the second string unit and he has Guyton uh and all these guys, Johnson, um those were the guys he kind of got close with, uh Hunter Henry a little bit as well. And then, you know, Keenan Allen obviously is a, you know, yards per catch and receptions magnet. Uh, so that gets you targets taken away. So then Mike Williams is kind of in this no man's land. Uh, and that is, I think, something that happened to him last year where it's like 
Herbert um, is going to uncork the deep ball, but not quite as often as Philip Rivers did yet, right? I think Philip Rivers threw 7.8 yards per attempt in 2019, and then Herbert last year was 7.3. So that is like a significant difference that does add up over time. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, you know, Tom Telesco mentioned this too, you know, there's, there's only so many, you know, targets for each player and it, I could kind of see him rationalizing, okay, we can let Hunter Henry walk because we can let Mike Williams do more things over the middle and more things in the red zone. And and that's the thing is that we all expect this Chargers offense to be more efficient in 2021. And, and that should benefit Mike Williams. It should benefit Keenan Allen. It should benefit Hunter Henry if he's back and Austin Eckler. But, you know, I could see the thought process of like, well, we don't necessarily need a, a top tier tight end because we have two really good receivers on each side. We have a pass catching running back and we have these, these burners that we could do. So, you know, I think Mike Williams, his numbers should increase just by sheer efficiency of the offense. And also like Alex mentioned, you know, he's going to have a full offseason with Justin Herbert and, and, you know, vice versa. And Justin will, should be able to get more comfortable with him. And I do think he will be at least somewhat more productive than what he was last year if he's able to stay healthy. And and he, he showed in the games that Keenan Allen left early that he could he can be capable uh, of being a wide receiver one in terms of, you know, being that vertical threat and things like that. So it stands to reason that he does improve. It's just you know, right. How are they able to afford him if he does have a great season or if he doesn't have enough, if he doesn't have a good season and he's injured again, do they want to keep him around? So it's just a lot of question marks and and we'll see how it irons out, but uh, just something to keep an eye on. I think, I think it's also a philosophy question too, because we've seen Daniel Popper and a lot of other people, you know, talk about how the chargers view this offense as touches, right? They don't really view it as like, this guy has to get this many and this guy has to get this many. It's just, you know, so that's why I think when it comes to yards and stuff like that, you know, I don't think the chargers look at it like, Oh, Mike Williams only had 750 yards and Hunter Henry only had 600. Right. I think they just view it as, Hey, how many catches did this guy have? And how many, you know, touches did he have on the season? And what did he do with those? Right. And if you compare 2019 to 2020, Mike Williams only had one fewer catch. It's just that they were, you know, five fewer yards per attempt. So that, you know, that might explain kind of the philosophical, um, I guess, difference in how the Chargers approach offense a little bit. That's an interesting way to look at it for sure. I also think, you know, Telesco needs to keep Williams on the team for the same reason he needs to drop offensive linemen. You better prove that this pick worked. And this is probably your last year to prove that this worked. Because in all honesty, you probably drafted Mike Williams over Patrick Mahomes and, you know, Deshaun Watson, which is awful. And this, you could argue that this is his worst pick. So you need to make it work this year to kind of save your butt as well. So yeah, I I think he's sticking around. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting Mike Williams over Patrick Mahomes is a hell of a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) And Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson. And Christian McCaffrey. Oh man. And the other four pro bowlers that came after him. Oh man, that's that's an interesting legacy conversation because obviously Mike Williams could still pan out and, and and improve and and you know be a very productive NFL player, but you know that's that's an interesting thing to talk about in terms of Tom Tabasco's legacy. And um, I don't know, man. Obviously, I'm very happy with Justin Herbert, right? Right. But, you know, I think we were all kind of thinking that at some point they would have to draft somebody to you know, be that heir apparent to Philip Rivers. And it turned out that they just waited a little too long to, to see Philip Rivers decline so much in 2019. 
We might have also gotten Patrick Mahomes killed behind the offensive line anyway. <laughs> so that's that's another issue with the this Super Bowl for 16 but... games though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. We were t- I was talking with uh, the Tua thing with somebody on, on Twitter the other day and they're like, Oh, I wonder how things would pan out right now if the Dolphins had taken Justin Herbert and the Chargers had Tua. And I was like, Well, the thing I do know is that the Chargers offensive line would have gotten Tua murdered mm-hmm. um <laughs> because Tua can't escape like Justin can. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> And we're about to see him go to Houston, perhaps. So they'll oh, get killed anyway. Oh gosh, man, it's gonna be that's gonna be wild. the The Texans have to trade Watson. You know, this is kind of tangent, but you know, them waiting to to trade Watson until after the draft would just be so so stupid because it's not going to get any better. The situation is not going away. Sean Watson is not going to want to play for them, and so. Um, you know, that obviously would have major draft ramifications if the, the Texans were able to get at that number three pick, which they should Their have own. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is just a mess, man. Can, yeah. Also, the, the other thing with that is like, can we talk about how a Russell Wilson trade has just magically progressed faster than the Deshaun Watson trade? <laughs> I know. Like, it's just, you know, people are like, hey, they're, they're picking up phone calls and the Texans are letting them go to voicemail. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the fact that they're not willing to let this thing work out with Russell Wilson is, is that's crazy. It is crazy, man. Oh, and, thanks for you guys input on that one. <laughs> well, you you froze up there for. You're a currently second. drinking oh. water, and I can hear your audio of you speaking. That's how long. <laughs> so, that's where we're at. That is where we're at. So we'll leave it there. Uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson on our own time because this is a Chargers podcast. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in today. We will hopefully be able to talk about some. Some more uh, established news uh, on Wednesday with free agency cuts coming up. Uh, we are officially, I think, 10 days away from for the start of free agency. Is that right? As we're recording this. So sure, uh, going to be a crazy few weeks, and we're super excited about that. Uh, got some fun things planned for you guys as well. Make sure if you're listening to us on YouTube uh, to like and subscribe to our channel. Set those notifications. Uh, and if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please leave us a rating and review. We do really appreciate that. And like I said, thank you for your support. And we'll see you guys next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com